This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay interview the band Lotion and revisit their second album, Nobody's Cool. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I am your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me once again, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, we are on episode 127. It's our third season, and we have a requested review from Mr. Austin Hall this week. This one, it works out well because this was on my short list of bands that I wanted to get to um, from the beginning of this season. And uh, Austin said, hey, why don't you check out this band? And I said, cool, we're going to do it anyways. So (laughs) that worked out. So Jay, had you had any familiarity with Lotion back in the day? Or were you like me, somebody who had um, missed the boat on them the first time? Uh, I missed the boat. The name sounded vaguely familiar, but I uh, can't say that I was uh, familiar with the music. I do remember the album cover for their third album, which is called The Telephone Album. It was in our stacks at WFAL during my, my last uh, year there, but I don't remember actually playing the record. Um, but that it probably was in rotation, and I just missed the rotation that when, when it was getting played. So now we get to rectify at least part of that mistake of not hearing Lotion. To help right. us to revisit uh, Nobody's Cool, the album that Austin suggested that we check out, we have brought in not one, not two, not even three. We have brought in all four members of Lotion for the first time in the history of our podcast. We did it with, we got three-fifths of the Chainsaw Kittens. That was the most we'd had previously. We now have the entire lineup of Lotion. Joining us from New York, we have... Bill and Jim Ferguson, along with Rob Youngberg, and then jo- wait a minute—is that right? Or is Jim <laughs> no, out? In- no, Jim's out oh, west. Close. Damn it! I knew I was going to screw up the time zones. Tony <laughs> is in New York. Correct. All right, I so mean, everybody's here. Mind if that does you any good? Um, there's a Billy Joel quote. You can cut that out. Okay. <laughs> we don't cut anything out. Ah, damn. No, we'll, we'll get that. We'll put, we'll drop that in, in post. We'll get rid of that. Uh, so, uh, we have everybody here and uh, I want to thank everybody for, for coming on, coming on and, and talking about this record and talking about lotion. So, um, my first question is not going to be about the liner notes for this album because that's been covered, uh, uh, in, in numerous articles. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. Um, my first question is which is a i think a fair question is how did you guys form the band uh back in the early 90s anybody can take this 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 is bill talking from brooklyn you know that's like that sounds like the worst question that's the best question nobody ever asks that um i don't even know how we formed the band it was it was one of those things that when you look back I, i bet every band has a similar occurrence that if there was anything that was difficult it wouldn't have happened but it was just one kind of luck thing after another, and Tony, Rob, the drummer, and I all went to Syracuse University. I, well, Jim's my brother, and I've known him, you know, for like four or five years. And, <laughs> uh, and you know, like, like really, hey, really known him. Let's just, <laughs> really known him. Um, uh, and, yes. and I said, um, you know, uh, hey, let's do, you know, let's, maybe it was even me. Let's say it was me. I said, let's start a band. 
And Rob's like, sounds good. And I knew a guy who sang, but he wasn't good. But Tony had very good parties. So we're like, oh, let's do it. And then, you know, it was just kind of like one lucky thing after another. We bullied Jim into moving up to, to New York from Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, I mean, that's how I remember it. I remember that you, you wanted to give your, you, you were like, Jim needs something to do. Let's start a band. You were trying to, you were like, let's get Jim <laughs> over here and we start a band. Well, he's got like nothing to do. You were you supposed um, to do something. You're always having it wrong. This is all my master plan. I Jim, Jim is three years younger than, than, than the rest of us and the only really natural musician. So, yeah. you know, like, let's make him do everything. No, in our first rehearsal, we, 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 we went and we wrote a song. And we're like, oh, okay, that's easy. And then, you know, I don't, I mean, there were lots of difficult things, but. I remember floating around. I remember there was an idea floating around that it was either going to be a band or a magazine. Yeah, yeah I remember that. <laughs> I remember oh that. my God! Yeah, those and are two different things. Was the easier one. <laughs> yeah, writing's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, because a, a song only has a. And like, yeah, there was you know, definitely somebody before words. there was me. There was somebody before there was me to sing. There was a couple of guys. Oh, we're going to get Gary. We're going to get Larry. And then it ends up being me. So, did you guys form at Syracuse or was that in, in Manhattan? It was, I, we all we all had we all had somehow through different circumstances relocated to Manhattan, except for Jim, who who Bill convinced for him to come down. Okay. But uh, we were all we were all found different reasons to come back to Manhattan, and then we we reconnected there at some party or something. It's all very fuzzy, Maybe. but I remember there yeah. was a party. Yeah, you you and Bill, <laughs> Bill. You and Bill at a party or something like that. You ran into each other again. Yeah, yeah. We, and as a matter of fact, don't you remember this? We were like, I was like, you know, like the Happy Mondays. And you were like, yeah, like Jane's Addiction. And I think we're both kind of like, eh, kind of, you know. But, <laughs> yeah. They definitely There's a fine line. Both of those bands really a fine line. a strong influence. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say I hear a lot of Happy Mondays, but we'll... Oh, you should hear the I'm first demo. Well, <laughs> that's so good. Is there is there a, a oh, bit there more go. a bit more bounce in the in the original demos? Yeah, well, we tried to anyway. I mean, we tried. Yeah, to be, we definitely were. We, we tried to be as funky as you know as white guys from Manchester could be, and we found it was a little bit too easy. So instead, we started going into, <laughs> into like. Goofy time signature. And also, it was, a, it was a drag having to play behind the light show all the time. <laughs> right. That's part with the light show. <laughs> so how soon after you guys formed did you decide we're going to put out a 7-inch? Was it pretty quick, or did you gig around for a while? I you know what? We about, put out a... Di- we, 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 it was about a year. We just like writing and playing shows, and we did some demos, and then the was it the first demo, I guess, got, like, kind of... No, it was, like, the second demo. First or second demo got noticed in, like, CMJ or something. And, the demo uh, was for CMJ. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. then On the Bill, old Bill, Bill, was living, Bill was living with... Uh, Bill had a roommate who was friends with Kramer uh, from right. Jimmy Fisk. And uh, right. Kramer was thinking of, like, starting up a, you know... They had discovered a record press in like you know, some building that they had, I guess. And they said, well, let's let's just do a seven inch thing because around the time of like the whole sub pop seven inch club. And so he's like, yeah, I'm going to get a whole bunch of pop bands and we'll call it Coco Pop. Because his other label was Shimmy Disc. Yeah. Shimmy, Shimmy Coco Pop. And then you guys ended up on Spin Art. 
for basically all the full length, correct? Yes. Yeah. Right. So how did or you guys end up? Yeah. How did you guys we end up playing, signing we, to them? We were playing. We were playing a gig at Coney Island with a whole bunch of. Uh, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, other shimmy disc, uh, other Coco Pop band. We're doing a Coco Pop show on Coney Island, and that's when the two guys at the, um, at the jumped uh, up on stage and said, "Hi!" At the free show place, and then they, exactly right on the boardwalk, and then the, they, they jumped up and in those free show voices, Jeff and Joel were like, "Hi, how you doing?" What? It was very strange. Don't swallow the sword. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a bad show. I mean, it was very fun. We were all drunk, and at one point, like a guy in another band in front of like eighteen people in the state in the crowd got up on oh, the yeah. amps and wasn't joking. But we were bad. We were not good. So and the guy was like, "I want to put out your album." <laughs> we're like, "Well, this guy clearly has good taste." Right. So, you know, I think he just wanted to keep I mean, it up. When you when you compress it like this, it was just like one lucky thing after the other. Everything everything was lucky. Like our demo was on the yeah. cover of TMJ magazine. Demo of the week. It was right on the cover. And then our first two singles were single of the week in the NME. We're like, this is easy. Yes, exactly. We were like, this is easy. You just put out records <laughs> and then they just bigger people put on their own list. So I, I have a sort of a, a mundane business question. So when you guys signed to Spin Art, or I don't know if that's the correct term, did you sign a three-album deal or a multi-album deal, or was it basically album by album? Oh, here our troubles began. Okay. <laughs> Someone else tell this story. This makes me no, mad. Just, I don't know the story. I, I assumed it was like album by album, right? No, I think yeah, it was album by album. We had we had the one. It was just one album. And the one album was picked up by Sony immediately. And we didn't have a second album deal with him. We, everything was cool. We, did, we, we could decide our second album and do whatever we wanted. And I think that so it's our fault. The lawsuit. The lawsuit. We had to go into Sony for money. We had to owe Sony something or owe Spin Art something because of the lawsuit on the, and the tour. No? That was later. No, no, that, no, was that was later. the other explosion. Oh yeah, that was that was our first trouble. We 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 our very first tour was in L.A. and we and before we even before we even played, we had to go to court to appear because there was a band in Southern California who also called themselves Lotion. There was a band in L.A. called and, Lotion. And it was like a dance. It was awesome because and we we had first rights in England. We had first rights everywhere, but possibly not in Southern California. If a judge yeah, wanted the judge to be was an like asshole. everywhere but Southern California. Yeah. Huh. So it it could have gone that way. So we had to show up, but it was awesome because they were like little Orange County kids with their, you know, like, uh, I don't even, Urban Outfitters gear. And we had, we had just driven 60 hours and like we were still hungover and, you know, unshaven. And <laughs> we rolled in the band from New York with, you know, <laughs> It, it was, was really great. driven from New York like three hours earlier or four hours earlier. Yeah, we shuttle our way to like the courtroom. They've got like a phone book full of evidence and posters and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, we're like, well, we have to play a show tonight. So what do we do? Yeah. Like our, 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 <laughs> we, our lawyer. Do we, do we, we just, do we just call up, ourselves Lotion UK? <laughs> we should have. Yeah, the London Lotion. We should have called ourselves. We should have called ourselves Lotion Southern California. Seriously. <laughs> They, looking back at it, we paid how ten thousand dollars to keep the shitty name lotion. 
shitty name. We should have called it lo- SoCal Lotion. $10,000? Wow. Yeah, $10,000 was the fee, was what we settled. And that we had to borrow from 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 Lo- Sony, if I'm not mistaken. From Sony or Jeff something said, like that. And, and that's when Jeff yeah, said... Yeah, I think it was one, wasn't it? Because it was... Because we were already Jeff on said, the second no, album. There, I don't know if we... That's when we signed for the second record. Right. Uh, that's right, right, right. That's, that's, when we, that's why we signed for the second record. So you started that's in the hole. In. That's when... Man, now we're in the hole. And uh, yeah, then the second album... Uh, then they got dropped by Wea right before we're making our second album. They got dropped by Sony, rather, and went to Wea, Warner Electro Atlantic. And they're... Right, we kept, we kept getting bounced around. Major. Yeah, and then so suddenly we were on that deal, and then that was just, you know, a terrible marriage between two labels, and then, uh, then we got off that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> third record back just on, third record just on spin art. That's how we won the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's the way to win the Civil War. <laughs> and then you guys were like uh, dormant for about ten most of the two thousands, but then got back together. Yeah, so what we do is is a, um, you spit out this like this liquid comes out of your mouth and you spin it all around your body and spin it around and spin it around until you're like totally in a total cocoon and then it hardens and then we just went totally dormant and then we emerge in our tiny wings. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's a, that's a good metaphor. That's a good. That's a that's a proper <laughs> metaphor there. Um, and now we just do a show once a year, which is kind of fun and and carefree. Is it more yeah, is it more relaxed without the pressures of having a, a Sony or a spin art worrying about album sales and, and that sort of thing where you can actually sort of relax on the shows, you don't have to worry about, you know, getting oh, from yeah. city to city oh, yeah, and yeah, because we were all, we were never worried about like what anyone else really thought, you know, during the shows anyway. It was that was just kind of like we never Felt any pressure. It was a New York City thing where you have to make your rent, right? And you're living in New York City. So you got to make your rent. So you, you, we, we, you felt like in order for me not to have the job that I also have in New York, I have to make a certain, I have to be able to, you know, make money on the road, right? And mm-hmm. if we weren't, if we weren't able to make money on the road or someone wasn't going to help us finance it to get on the road, then we couldn't do it. Because we all had jobs and we all had these rents from New York City that are too much money. I mean, that's yeah. the way I thought of it. Okay. Yeah, you couldn't devote. But now it's pre- now there's no pressure because you know you're not relying on that cash to make your rent. <laughs> right. I'm curious what you guys think of the scene now in New York versus back in the '90s because it it seems like for the past decade New York has sort of become the hotbed of like indie rock, whereas in in the in the '90s. There were a lot of good bands, but it wasn't considered necessarily a scene the way that like Seattle was or Chicago, um, or, with having like a North ton Carolina. of or North Carolina. Yeah, um, when you guys are out playing now, you're in your once a year shows. Um, are you getting just people out that are you know familiar with the band, or are you playing to a lot of new folks that are out to see you know whatever the hip new indie rock bands are? Well, if we're uh, getting those people, I, they're at the wrong show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We might get some by default because some of the people who knew us way back when are are, are bringing those other kids. Maybe, well, maybe they're kids. 
<laughs> I thought the last show, I don't know, the first show, no, the first show was definitely uh, a reunion of our old friends and our friends from the crew and stuff. But the second show, the one we did last year, I didn't know who those people were, you know? I mean, I think that it was because there was an article on, I don't know, the Wall Street Journal had an article and then suddenly the show was packed. I don't get it. Might have been people who were like, who are these guys? Or oh, I kind of run these guys. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I don't I don't even know what I don't even know what the I don't know what the, what the scene is now. I think it's I think it's a different thing being in a band, you know. It's just kind of like I feel like music's not for the same thing that it was. I was listening to the record today. I'm like, does anybody? You guys would know better than I do. Does anybody sound like this? Does anybody like write these like songs and they're like there's melodies and it's not ironic and you know. I listen well, to it sometimes. Crazy. It's a little bit embarrassing. Like wow, we're, I remember Tony saying this once. You know, um, like why I, I remember me saying something stupid like I'm the bass player. I'm like I never get nervous. He's like, yeah, that's because it's not the thing you're doing isn't coming out of your head. You know, you're not like on stage and it's like you're it's coming out of your face. The you know, and <laughs> it's like we're singing. You know, he's singing melodies and trying to do something sweet and a little. You know, and I don't know. Do people do that now? It's it's like uh, oh, every, you know, sore. I would say that. Call it something different. Yeah, and I, I, I think that there's a, I mean, there's a different. Um, what you said is a different scene. You know, there's no major labels that are putting out, or or even a lot of indie labels that are putting out music that what you guys are doing. I would look at a band like, say, the National, who are you know a Brooklyn band. They're making, I would say, music that would fit well with '90s alternative bands. Yeah, but you, but yet are very of this time. Because there's... I've heard uh, some stuff that sounds similar, uh, in a similar vein, that's new. I can't really tell you what, but I mean, yeah, it's, you know, the only the different thing now is, I don't know, there's more bands? It's more bands now, right? Oh, definitely. more than ever, right? And the whole, the whole difference of, you know, everybody kind of, everyone can do it. Like, we kind of thought we were like, see, anyone can do it. But now, everyone does it. Like, <laughs> a lot of people do it. No, uh, what, what I, I think is like a difference is though. Hmm? I think that people are, they're better at, they're much cannier, and it's like they're better at like, you know, they have their sound, and I mean, I think that we were a little bit arrogant to think that like, we could make an album of, you know, like, it's like our template was seriously the Beatles, it's like, and this song is totally different from that song, whereas the National are like, here's our thing, we have like kind of a pretty acoustic guitar, we have kind of like a droney, we've got this like, really complicated drummer, and my vocals are going to kind of be like this big, deep, sonorous thing in every single song. So when you hear, right. nobody says, is this the national and it's not. Because you know what the right, national right. sounds I, I think like. I know what you mean. Yeah. Right. Lotion and I think was like all over the fucking we're, place. We're, right. we're, 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 we're proud of that, but it was definitely, yeah. we were like, you know, we're like, that's a terrible idea in terms of selling records. You know, <laughs> it's a terrible idea. You're totally right. You're totally right. It's better to have I mean, this one sound. If, if, if we had other thing, songs you know? that sounded like Ted, which is like the song on, on the album, the first album, I think we were embarrassed by it, but the only yeah. one to really get played. I remember like after that got on the radio with no promotion at all and did really well for no promotion. They're like, oh crap, we got to find, what's the second single? And we all listened to the, the album on a cassette, I believe, in the van on tour. And we're like, there's no other single. There's, I mean, that's not head's not even a single. You know, head has like not even a, a minute and fourteen seconds in the middle of nothing. 
<laughs> guitar noodling, you know? It's, you know. Yeah. Uh, this would be a good time to transition into talking about the album that Austin um, suggested for us, which is uh, Nobody's Cool. And um, I think Jay and I should probably start by giving a little bit of, I guess, reaction because we were both, you know, new to the record. I, one of the things I found really interesting is that it started out uh, with the first two tracks, Dear Sir and, and the new Timmy, um, which I appreciate that song title. And um, I was you. getting this, I was getting this like real like Jawbox, Jay Robbins sort of vibe at the beginning, which I really appreciate. He's one of my favorite songwriters. And which a lot of people don't think of him as a songwriter because you think of more of a singer songwriter as a songwriter, but he has a very definitive and specific voice in terms of his songwriting. And then the album starts to take a little bit of a turn with like the sad part and rock chick. And I really appreciated you guys incorporating a lot of different tempos and time signatures. Not that it gets into like rush territory or anything like that, but like with rock chick there's some really bizarre sort of time and tempo changes in that and it brings in that piano which is really interesting and then you get into like blind for now which had a kind of a like a jangly rem kind of vibe to it i don't know if i was that like, was off a single if you want to chime in with some of your thoughts too but I think the thing that I, I enjoyed most about the record is that you guys are not afraid to take chances both within like songwriting structure and, and like I said doing time and tempo changes where other bands might want to play it more straight and try to keep it a more straightforward approach but that also you messed around with dynamics um, one of the songs that really like uh, Juggernaut where it's, it's a really loud song and then all of a sudden it pops into these little acoustic drum or acoustic guitar strum interloads out of like nowhere and i'm like i have never heard that before where a band just like popped into a quick acoustic strum like that and that was really a, a revelation in terms of um the the sound of the record and uh so and then also the banjo i really liked i thought there was a nice addition in the second half of uh, precious tiny because banjo can get abused by by bands like mumford and sons so I appreciated the fact that uh, you guys used it in such an interesting way. Kind of reminded me of what Dinosaur Jr. did a little bit in their later years, where they incorporated some weird instruments, um, like on Hand It Over, with 
I think there's a banjo on one of those songs and whatnot. So, Jay, what were some of your thoughts? Oh, he's, he's, his connection is... Uh, he's just connecting, it looks like, yeah. ...is wonky. I'm going to fill some space here. Well, I mean, I could... I could yeah, I, I want you... I could tell you... I could, uh, it's Rob. But I okay, could Rob. say that uh, it, it's a combination of... I think this, our sound came from a combination of from short attention span from all four of us, and we get bored very quickly. Okay. Yep. So and every time something starts to work, every time it's starting to work, someone's like, good, that's great, that's great. So Enough let's that. fuck that up. Let's fuck right, that up a little, little, little Like, it always gets fucked up. The good, goodness always gets like, yeah, watch this. Watch me, watch me mess with it. I'm going to take this out will a, make a, 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 This will make it so no one can... Yeah, they'll be, it'll be like, this will make it so no one can tap their feet to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then let's go to the weird chord. Yeah, yeah, that's, that'll, that's terrible. That's <laughs> terrible. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah and we... We definitely had kind of a maximalist approach to, um, <laughs> like, the, the number of things that you could do within a song, and like just even just the number of sounds the guitar would have in a song, and right. the number right. of banjo layer tracks. Upon layer. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know because we we all shared like a similar kind of dialect in terms of the kind of music that we all grew up listening to. And then the kind of music that we were all listening to together at the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's like, you know, we, we grew up with, you know, it was kind of like AM soft rock kind of, you know, beautifully produced, multi-layered, you know, real craftsman songwriting. And then we were also really into, you know, like like noisy stuff. We were like in my bloody long time, we were into dance music. It was, you know, so I think it was all trying to peek its way out through us you know, as we were trying to write the songs. And also we, I think we, we, we like Rob said, it's like we, we wanted to keep ourselves interested as much as possible because, you know, it, writing writing music together, there, there's a kind of a, a bit of one-upmanship involved, you know, when you have four guys all contributing at the same time. And like, to try to make us all happy, you know, it's, it, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of miraculous that we were able to, much like, finish any of these songs, you know, exactly. <laughs> then, you know, actually get them all down and then, you know, because I, I, I genuinely stand by and I, there's not, a, I'm looking at the record and it's like, there's not a song on here that I don't like. I'm not, oh, uh, yeah. I'm not embarrassed by anything that we have on here. Uh, Jay, no, are you some back? Some of them are a little unfinished for me. Which one? Jason, but, Jason um, are you back? Yeah. Okay. Nah. There he is. Hey, hey, hey. hey, hey. Don't let me stop you. So stop talking about Jay. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask for some of your thoughts on the record, Jay. I don't know if you caught. I, I gave some thoughts on the record and the overall. Yeah, I gave mine, and then there was nobody there. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I can do it again. Yeah, I want you to do that again. No, I just uh, briefly. I I totally agree with everything uh, that you said. I think I heard a lot of um, Bob Mould and Sugar early on in the record, um, and then. Um, the the middle part start, started to throw me a little bit um, in terms of when the band got quieter, but um, like Name Dropper and Damasia, those were two tracks that, uh, and Juggernaut, those were three tracks that um, I think had the dynamics you were talking about that I really appreciated and thought were were unique for the time. I don't think we've heard, you know, there's there's a couple songs and segments in here that I think this band's doing things that we haven't heard yet, you know, on this podcast, so... Um, I definitely appreciate that. What from that standpoint, and also, I, I just you know, a song like "Dear Sir" I think is great. It's just a great, um, 
you know, short, you know, pop indie rock song. ask you guys about about writing were you basically all getting in a room and then just starting with you know jamming and then working parts out or was one of you coming yeah. in with like hey i've got an idea for here's a no. riff or someone had an idea of ain't coming into it couple yeah. a little you know, thing you know, the tiniest thing it was like a it was a, a rehearsal was kind of like a a hangout time and then someone would just start doing something nobody like no no keep doing that yeah, you know, keep doing. There's they, a lot of that. There was a lot of that they were like, doing while they were tuning. You're like, right. dude, I'm just yeah. tuning. No, yeah, no, no, do that again. Do, do that again. Yeah. And, and it definitely was everybody adding on to it. It was like that's that's like Jim said. It's, it's a lot of everybody's trying to get their little piece into it. And so it was. I often described it as a four man tug of war. You know, it's like four ropes tied together, and you just kind of eventually pull it somewhere, and it lands. How did you guys remember all this I remember. I remember this at the time, though. We, it was like for the first time ever, we had, because we went to like I don't know whatever major label bought Spinart or whatever who we ever got tossed to. We had a little bit of money, and and like you know when you get your social security uh, letter, it says how much you made each year. The year we made Nobody's Cool, I made like six thousand dollars total because. <laughs> I remember that we had like we had enough money to like not work, but not really. So we went, we we rented this like warehouse, you know, in Chelsea, and we would go there every single day. And it was freezing. We didn't have heat. And for a while, Jim was homeless. We didn't know, and he was sleeping there at night with a space heater under you know blankets and carpets and so on, making yeah, sweet love to the space heater. Yeah, we, we always wondered, and, uh, we always wondered why, why we all got there and Jim's stuff was already set up. And drank it but, all. But, uh, you know, it was, it was a real, like, we were really, like, we were, like, playing. We're, we're a band, and we're, like, going to the studio, and it was our job, and it was, it was just awesome. We went there. We took it really, really seriously. We, like, we had to write, and, you know, that was a great time. Yeah, and yeah, some of the crazy. stuff was, was 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 written on tour, like or started anyway. That's also you know, true. On tour, we have a couple of songs being written on tour. That's right. Yeah, the sad part, like, was written at like a sound check in 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 Raleigh. Right. Although I, I have a feeling by the time we actually, you know, and this was before the time of you know cell phones, even you know we didn't record it. I'm sure 
the original way we played it was completely different to what it ended up as. <laughs> Probably true. I, I actually remember, you, know, I, you asked before, how did the songs come about? And a lot of them came about just from like, a lot of the guitar parts, Jim would write a riff and come in and we'd kind of, we'd mishear him and play it the wrong tempo. And he'd be like, no, 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 that's not what I am. And then it was too late. The song had turned into something else. But almost in every case, we'd be like, wow, that song's almost done. Tony, go write lyrics in the melody. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's pretty much I did that for me. I had to do a little cleanup work at the end. It's, a, it's, a, it's tough. Well, you guys oh, yeah. mentioned that the the early part of the band was a little more, I guess you'd say, groove oriented with the Happy Mondays and Jane's Addiction um, uh, origins. Uh, how did you transition? Was it purely just a we get bored after thirty seconds and want to change the tempo, or were there bands that you were listening to and saying, "I really like what they're doing dynamically," or "I really like what they're doing rhythmically"? Let's Let's try to work on stuff like that because it, this isn't, you know, a lot of the stuff that you guys are doing is a little atypical of the time because you think about some of the big bands of like 95, 96, okay. we're talking about like Collective Soul and Candlebox and those bands were not doing big, difficult chord progressions and, and tempo changes and stuff like that. They were playing more mainstream, uh, you know, rhythms. And I'm think when I'm listening to this, it's making me think of like, the early, almost like the early emo with like Sunny Day Real Estate or a knapsack with some of the things that what they were doing. So I'm just curious. Oh, what... wow. Wow. Yeah. I think, I think it's just like, you know, there was no real grand design. I think this is just what honestly just kind of came natural to us. I mean, you know, we yeah, were no, in 1991, bands, you know, at, at the time, you know, and, you know, because we were out, we were out on the road a lot, too. And so there was, you know, we were playing with all kinds of bands. And but I I don't know. I mean, we just kind of just did our thing. I, I, I never looked for like what place we were in. Like the, the most I would do would be like try to like I want to I want my guitar to sound like, you know, Jay Mascus in this song. Or I want my guitar to sound like that ride record in this song or something. Right. What kind I of guitar mean, were you I think playing? In 1991, we just kind of, we just sort of became honest with one another. I so desperately wanted to be cool. I really wanted to be in James Addiction of the Happy Mondays, but it, it was totally phony, you know. And like there, were, we fooled some people with with you know our music before we made records, you know, because I know that there are people who are like, oh man, I. I really miss God's apartment and like you know the the vibe the groove songs, but they were it was it was a fake you know. And then like once we got all together, it was like yeah you know we really we really do like you know the soft Beatles songs and and you know I, I just think it was it was 1991 and we played more we were we were dancing more we went out to clubs and stuff and and, and we were into you know more danceable music and then by you know two years later you're. You're a lot older, and you're just not making dance music anymore. I think yeah, next to isn't as good anymore. It is true that, that once once we joined the band, we had no more money for drugs or going out. Ah. Yeah, we weren't like, hey, we're going to going, going to the rave, man. That was out. <laughs> <laughs> so then you don't make that music anymore. You don't really listen to that music anymore, and suddenly you're moved on. So I, I was I tried to sneak it in there, Jim. What were you playing uh, rig wise at the time? Do you remember? Um, yeah, because uh, I still have it. I, I had um, 
the guitar that the, the other guys bought me because the original guitar I had just kept falling apart. And it was there was a, a guitar shop on what was it was it on St. Mark's or was it on Seventh Street? Yes, St. Mark's in New York called Mojo. And I don't even know if he's still there, but the guy Chris was like super cool, and they had amazing vintage stuff. But then he decided he wanted to build some guitars, so he put a couple out, and they were selling them for like 150 bucks or something. So the band all chipped in and bought me that, and that's yeah, that pretty much what present. I played for everything on on Nobody's Cool. I think is is mostly the the Mojo, you know, fake Telecaster, mm-hmm. and then like in the studio we had like uh. The guy Jim Rondinelli that we were working with had a crap ton of amps and stuff that he had or borrowed or something. So like we like I played a lot through like a Fender Bassman, I think. And like we were trying to right. not use pedals so much and like, you know, just try to get like natural overdrives and then other songs were like, Fuck it, I'm gonna play a a big muff through this distortion pedal through this tiny three-inch speaker that we're going to lay on the ground, and I'm going to put a tambourine on top of it so it rattles a little more. You know, just dumb shit like that. Mm-hmm. And um, But yeah, I still the use all the speaker. same pedals and everything that I, that I did for, like, all the lotion records. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's wow. where that comes from. So then... Can you still get those... Uh, you, still, you can't get those Soviet big muffs anymore, can you? Hey everybody! I just my I, I just got my Soviet big muff returned today from uh, Analogic on twenty twenty three. He fixed it, so I just got mine fixed back to back to normal, brand new. Crazy. Seriously, I'm just saying it lives. Wow, those it's back. they're super expensive now. I remember they were like I just got mine fixed for seventy five bucks. He fixed it. That's how much it cost new with that circuit board that was made of like a how much it cost. Surgery board that's in upside down. It's in upside down, bolted in upside down. That's why it's. That's why you have to put the input on the one on the wrong side and the output on the wrong side. Jay, don't you have a a Soviet big muff, or didn't you use that for a while? I do. Yes, I have one and it's broken. <laughs> well, there you go. The old, the old green one. Yeah. Yeah, those things are a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I, down. I think I tried to use it on a base. That didn't go well. Oh, we, yeah, we kill the bottom. Yeah. No, it kills the, but it kills the bottom. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, impressive. Like, uh, you know, what's the song called? You won't see me or whatever. What? A Beatles song with the fuzz bass. You won't see me. No, it's not. You won't see me. It's the other one. Revolution. It has no bottom. <laughs> No, no, no. Meaning, <laughs> she loves you. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Yesterday, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I dig a pony. <laughs> okay, somebody, somebody else. I had a pony. <laughs> oh, a pony. we're losing Jay again. Right. Well, I'll try. I'll try to bring him back once he. Uh... All right, hey, Jay, you back, Jay? I have, back, to, Jay? I have yeah. to. This is this All is right. Rob. I got to duck out for a few, but I'll be back. Okay. All right, all right. All right. Tony's here. I'm, you've got all Tony all night. I'm here till ten. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if that'll work, but we'll uh, we'll see what we can do with that. No, you got to stay on with me, man. You got to stay on with me. This is gonna be a two-parter, okay? Oh, oh boy, nobody's cool, and nobody will shut the fuck up either. <laughs> well, you've already set the record for the most f bombs in a particular episode, so I uh, we're we're already setting. That's- some- do we have to do, do we have to beat them? Oh no. 
I just put the parental guidance <laughs> warning in the iTunes store oh, and then for this episode. I'm, I'm sorry. so sorry. That's all no, 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 no. no. We, in, we encourage it. It gives us a much more street vibe when we, uh, <laughs> oh, could when you, we promote it. Could you do a, um, could you do like a funny different sound effect for each one? Like, uh, like a, like a, you know, like that, like that slide whistle, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that sounds awesome. I was going to get the, yeah, I'll get, I'll get a different <laughs> drop for each one. That'll work. <laughs> so, let's talk a little bit about recording the album how long did you guys spend in the studio actually working on it and then how much of it was done before you went in and how much did you actually finish writing in studio those are interesting questions we had two weeks of pre-production in a different studio that we had locked off it was like a rehearsal space that we had locked off for a week i mean for two weeks and then we had four weeks at big house uh, to, to record and mix, but I think there might have been, then we stopped, and then there was another, like, five days what, before we finished it. What was Big House, was that Electric Ladyland? I don't know, Big House no. is right on 42nd Street in the Bush building. No, it was like, called. it was like a, it's like a famous, famous Billy I mean, Joel. Well, Mick Taylor had something to do with it, I remember. I and I think the part that we were in was only half of it. The other half was that other guy, Sasha, who had his own studio. Remember the oh, one? That's right. That's guy? right. That's right. Sasha. Um, yeah. So so anyway, so most of it most of it was um, most of it was done b- beforehand. Like you know, um, I, I remember finding some demos to Nobody's Cool and being disappointed yeah. that it wasn't totally different. It was like the solo was. I, I felt this. If I can, if, this is like a really pompous comparison to compare it to the clash but when i heard the vanilla tapes you know which are the uh the demos for woman calling mm-hmm. you know like right. the totally like off the cuff sounding nick jones solos on note for note and it's like you expect him to be just like to like just i just walked in and picked up the guitar and just played and he definitely wrote the solo for spanish bombs and you know and clamped down you know, he, right. he he really worked. You know, and and that was a little bit disappointing for me. So I know that I know that most of those songs were were done beforehand. Um, it was done beforehand because we had we had that four track tape uh, recorder with the, the cassette in it that Joel gave us. So we had done this one demo of like a lot of the songs we had, you know, on four tracks or whatever. Yeah, I think we and, actually uh, have like the full album worth of songs in demo form. I think the only thing that changed every one of really them was, was Timmy, and then like because. Uh, actually, at Jim's suggestion, we cut out like there was a whole middle section that he's like, "Why don't you is it right? Why don't you just do this and end it, and then go back into the song?" And that's why that song became Seriously? the new Timmy instead of just Timmy. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a story.
there's a there's a there's a bridge or something a break yeah there's like a whole long you know thing with like the drums just kind of go to toms and stuff and i'm playing like oh a i know what you mean riff thing. one of those things one of those lotion things exactly and there's a recording of that careful there I, there's a demo i think yeah there must be because we we because we sent the demos to Jim before he, you know, came in to work with us. And that's the only thing I really remember him doing. During the recording of the album, he was just mainly on the phone. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I love him to death, and, and, you know, he did an amazing job. Uh, but he was on the phone, and then he was in Austin for South by Southwest. And he, he, I, true to his word, he did bring us back, like, a couple pounds of brisket, which was kind of awesome. <laughs> I still have some. I totally, but you know what? You know what? To, to, to Rondo's credit, we chose him because he engineered the Matthew Sweet record, and that the, the guitar it. sound is so good on that record. That's it. You know, that's why we were like, we'll take him. He did. You know, and that's you know, uh, yeah. But you know what? That's that's when we realized it was like, you know, he didn't like rewrite the songs really. <laughs> You know, he didn't, it was kind of a collaborative thing. It was more like we didn't, we could never figure out how to use the mixing desk, you know, on our own. Um, yeah, and, and he made it sound it. cool. And he, he, he did, he did a bunch of different things and suggested some things, you know, uh, or, or instrumentation a couple of times, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And he plays the key, up? and he plays the, uh, he plays the keyboard on, uh, at the end of Precious Time. That's him on the um, organ. He like yeah. jumped out of the. He, he hit record and he ran out of the room and he ran in and started just jamming on that yeah. tall, tall shaper on, 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 on the jamming like D three moment basically. D three. Like, I'm gonna have to for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, any know, good producer but, uh, will end up on the record somehow. Yeah. Absolutely. No kidding, right? That's why they get the big bucks. Right. Exactly. But you know, when you're talking about like. It's very flattering to hear you describe the record this way. I have to say that I've waited. No. I want you to do it again, really his slowly. I whispered in my ear. Like breathy. Um, but uh, when you know when you're talking about like, you know, the, something that that we that we didn't do, it's like I'm like it sounds like Radiohead to me. You know, it sounds like and and when I first when I when I first heard. Okay, computer. I was like, "Oh shoot! I wish we'd done that." <laughs> like, oh man, you know. It's I, I felt the same way when Jim played me um, "Smells Like Teen Spirit." He came in, and I was like, "Uh oh!" <laughs> Noisy guitar, but with like a melody. And I remember that my comment to him was, "I said, eh, too new wave." <laughs> Don't ever make it. Those guys aren't going anywhere. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, um, but you know, it's like I felt like sweaters are on the way out. <laughs> exactly. Um, hang on, just a second. Okay. Well, we can still talk. We're all hanging on. No, 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 no. Everybody, hang on. <laughs> I have no idea. So, oh, so I have a question for uh, for Tony. Oh yeah. Uh, so did you yeah. write? Are you the sole lyricist, or was that a collaborative effort as well? Um, I'm the one who puts it all together, um, and I did a lot. I did, in some cases, maybe write all the lyrics in certain songs, but there was a bunch of input from those guys, and I would often pick up things that they said and write it down. So it kind of 
almost everything has, um, you know, roots in um, the things we were doing, and at least there'd be a line or two from something that people said. So there's a lot, you know. I definitely was the guy who had to like hammer it all in place. When uh, when uh, I've read with interviews with various uh, songwriters, and and they talk about like which approach they take and some of them take the approach where they find the melody first and then they write the words to the melody and there are some songwriters who find you know they have they basically write out books worth of of lyrics and then figure out no. which ones work where um no, we're definitely melody first we're melody, melody first. first i would often i would often at rehearsal when we were all making up making putting things together right there uh you know four guys facing each other eyeball eyeball um i would often sing uh, you know, nonsense lyrics or scat kind of lyrics to flesh out what we're going to do. Kind of like the way Peter... Uh, uh, Hello? I ruined everything. I think I ruined the whole thing. Did everyone... No, I, for sorry, my internet Hello? just went out for a sec. Is everybody back? I'm back. I'm yeah, back. yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Everyone except Jay again. Poor Jay. Jay, he's got the problems. He's got dial-up, no, doesn't he? That, that was my... Uh, yeah, he's he's <laughs> dialing up. No, that was my internet. All of a sudden, it just like reset itself. I don't know what was going on there, but he'll be back soon. Um, I can't so Tony, that guy anyway. So, Tony, would you write the lyrics beforehand, or would you? Okay, are we here? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Is Tony back? It's weird. I can see like the icons of everybody, but nobody's like name or numbers appearing underneath. Uh oh. Oh, there Fair they go. We did lose some people. All right. <laughs> I'm going to re-add those people to our call. There you go. I kind of love the sounds that it makes. Like this, It's like it's like some kind of dick dog or something. All right. Let me, let me just go down the line and re-add everybody. <laughs> yeah, it sounds great on the podcast, too. <laughs> Jay, are you there? I am. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. I don't know what's going on. No, that was no, me. No, it, I lost you. everybody. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that was my internet just went. Hey, everybody, go away. Hi, this is Bill. Please leave me a message, and I'll call you back as soon as I can. Thank you. Yeah. Oh. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press one for. Nope, I can't. No, we're not doing that. I'm not leaving a message. Uh, let's try to get Tony back. Let's see if that's going to happen. All right, let's just start all over. Yeah. Hello? Hi, Tony. We lost you there for a sec. Sorry, buddy. I don't know what happened. I was, it, really that, doing, that, I was, I was so was eloquent, too. Uh, let's, get, let's get Bill back. Let's get, let's get the whole gang back together. I'm getting the band back together. Again? We're on a, we're on a mission from 10. Hello? Bill? Yes. Yeah, sorry about that. That we uh, we had some technical. No uh, problem. And, no problem. Uh, you got you have uh, you've got four of us. Well, you know, it's like whack a mole. Let's see if we can get Rob back. Was he the one that said earlier he was gonna have to step out? I believe so. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm back. We can just get a drum machine. It's fine. Hey, this is Rob. Ouch. At the tone, please record your message. Oh, when you shit. finish I just recording, you may hang or up Bill. or press one for more options. Uh, <laughs> are you kidding me? What is going on here? All right. <laughs> that is 
odd. We haven't had any problem with Skype in a long time. And well, like you said, sudden... this is the first time where you've had like six yeah. people at once, too. Right, so. the people at Skype headquarters are like, they can't do this. Hello. Hey. I'm All here. right. I'm here. Yeah, the Skype people are freaking out right now. They're like, this is too many people on one call. You can't do this. <laughs> You're gonna do, you're gonna take down the network. It didn't smell that much. Why are you why are you still talking? Uh, hmm. Okay, so we got three of the four of you back. Rob is had to, had cut out, so uh, I wasn't able to get him back. So what happens is every five minutes from now, we're just gonna cut somebody until we get down to one person at the end, and they're our winner. Voted uh, off the island. Oh, I yeah. hope it's me. I hope it's me. I hope it's me. Um, it's a great idea for a show. I'm gonna trademark it. Don't steal it. Uh, okay. What? Where were we? We were talking about lyrics and lyrics. Well, the reason... do, do I write the lyrics? Who do I write the lyrics first, or do I write them after? And, and the after. reason why I asked that was because of songs like Rock Chick and, and Sandra. I'm wondering were those about people or women yes. specifically? Yes. So you're able to take sure. slamming yeah. words into a melody that fits, but also make it personal. Well, well, Sandra is actually kind of totally impersonal it's about uh, uh, Tony you tell the story actually you wrote the words but there was a uh, we loved postering you know our band would put up posters uh, and we liked graphic design and we did a lot of cool what we thought was cool things and we often would hear people say hey I never really saw you guys but I liked uh, I liked your uh, your posters which is kind of what you said when you started this podcast and mm-hmm. um, and uh <laughs> Right? Didn't you say that? And I then, said I remembered the album and, uh, cover for the telephone album. That it was kind the of the same thing. I like yeah. your artwork, but I, I never really heard you guys. So, so, so the uh, there was a, there was someone who was posting around our neighborhood, uh, a, a, like a manifesto to a girl that he liked, and and it was just an interesting, hilarious, pleading thing to her, and she didn't like him, and he drew this little picture of her face, and it was just you know. It's, that's one song that's totally kind of about one thing and you know more so than others. It was just a really funny thing. I think if we took to, someone ripped it off and brought it to rehearsal and then we all um, laughed about it and then we worked into the song. That's what I think happened. Yeah. Oh, you're not, you're not, you're not telling the best, the best part of the story though. It's, it's like a guy who like was after this girl, right? And he was, you know, Sandra and he would like, what, what was the line like? Sandra rules, Gary drools. There yeah, you put the posters up and Gary drools. Um, and it was like kind of like charming a little bit, but at the same time, didn't the posters develop? And 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 like there was another one. And after a while, I was like, oh yeah. So what if you got a restraining order? <laughs> you know. And there was right, like right. this saga. <laughs> we were... Yeah, and then yeah, you know, it was, was like this got worse and worse. It was definitely. It was definitely, it was the social media of our time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had to Xerox and put up with wheat paste. When someone posted something, they really posted it. And it was just like, I still see those pictures. It was like, it was like the cover of the Descendants album cover. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, it was like that. Yeah, it was on my it was like that. But uh, none of us have a copy of that, unfortunately. And never grabbed it. Oh, I keep thinking I that I keep thinking that Gary or Sandra is going to hear about it and be like, "That was me. Yeah, this is my guy." <laughs>
Write a song about AIDS education? Yeah, <laughs> just never got around to it. Never got around to it, man. Yeah. It was um, on the to-do list, but but would, would have been on the fourth album. But 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 anyway, yeah. so so yeah, it was really it's very astute of you to point out um, Sandra and uh, Rock Chick. What was the other song you mentioned? Rock, Rock Chick. Chick. Rock well, Chick, could... which are actually like start to finish um, narratives. Because Tony was, I, I was, I'm, you know, I work at the New York Times and I've written a lot and I can't, his lyrics are so far above anything that I have, whatever. I would give him lyrics and they'd be like really corny and overdetermined and his lyrics are just like this amazing, like kaleidoscope of like different images from the time, you know, like, like Juggernaut is all about like some crazy time in Utah with like, girlfriends hiding in the parking lot and ditching the guy and there's train hoppers and you know and there's hail the size of bullets train hoppers. like all these different that, images it, everything it, in that song really happens <laughs> it's true yeah and I, everything i would say that everything in all the songs really happens but they're like all mm. many of them are very encoded um yeah they're so encoded i mean they definitely put like a big like tried to hide what i was saying as much as possible other people are co- totally clear about what they're saying but I always like take this like always back up a step, you know. Well, yeah, it's easier to it's easier to act it that way. It's easier to like perform it because it's like you know. I hear other people's music too. though. I hear other people's right. music, and it's coming out of your head. They're able to be right. Some people are so easy to be upfront with what they're saying, and it's hard for me to do that. Never do that. So you're not writing like Taylor Swift get into style. The groove, boy, you've got to prove your love to me. I could never do that. I could never say, I need you to prove your love to me. Get into the groove, you fucking asshole. I couldn't say, write that as lyrics. It would be hard for me. Not if it was guaranteed to sell 10 or, million copies. Or go copies the Jeff Buckley and... route. Right. Yeah. But drown? Exactly. <laughs> what, yeah, what would that be? <laughs> Make an Ill, ill-advised leap into the Mississippi River? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah. Um, oh, shit. I'm going to get into the groove instead. <laughs> Well, there, there's always is, a that, fine that's line the between. Only, Jim, you got you, 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 you must get down on the ground and, and 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 apologize to the gods because that's the only thing that's going to be in <laughs> the. Uh, gonna, there's going to be a link from Gawker that 
Unknown Crawford Lotion Kisses Buckley. Attack sad suicide. Of, right, yeah. oh. now, we're, now, we're, now we're Michelle shocked. This no, I think, I think it's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Although, I, I will say, it's like we only, we met, I met Jeff Buckley once because we were on the same label for a second. And uh, that guy was a dick. <laughs> Sorry. Whoa. <laughs> There's your link. There's your link. What he meant Thanks. to say was Buckley was so great and... No, a lot Buckley a dick says <laughs> Wow I already tweeted it guys It's already out uh, there Oh <laughs> I was wondering what you were doing with your other hand I'm oh, tumbling right. it right I, I gotta now say, I gotta I gotta say, <laughs> Well you know I mean well, Don't speak ill of the dead You know, he was I, So you know what to edit out right You're good we're good right I'll send you some money <laughs> Absolutely, yes. It'll be far less than the than the lotion dispute. Um, <laughs> well, that, that's actually that's a that's a good point though. Now, good point that he's a dick, but a good point or a good thing to talk about in terms of like you guys toured with a lot of different bands in the '90s, and you had a chance to meet a lot of I guess I'd say you know iconic or or successful artists. Were there any that like Jeff Buckley, were disappointments? Or were there other examples of people who you were like, wow, that guy is way nicer than I ever expected him to be? Because sometimes meeting Mick people Jones. that... Mick Jones, okay. Mick yeah. Jones, nicest guy. Came up, came around, came around to us, just walked in while we were eating dinner, and was like, wanted to make sure, you know, wanted to introduce himself to us, wanted to make sure that we were cool. He, he walks in and he looks at me Mick. and he says, hi, I'm Nick. He's like, hi, I'm, I'm Nick. I'm like, I was like, yeah. And then he told me, was like, hey, does everyone take care of you guys all right? So, so sweet. Mick yeah. Jones of Florida. Mark Eibold. Mark Eibold and Bob Nostanovich from Pavement are like the two of the yeah. most humans. Wait, Jay has an important question here. Is it Mick Jones from Foreigner or Mick Jones of The Clash. We need to clarify that for our listeners. Of The Clash. I love that. Actually, I love it was Big Audio Dynamite that we were with. Big Audio right, Dynamite. Right. Big Audio well, Dynamite. I, that, yeah, I, the love, I love that. I'm sure the Foreigner They're different gone. people? They're... Whoa. <laughs> no, Mick Jones of The Clash was also in Foreigner for a period of time. <laughs> yeah, that's how I always... <laughs> Gotta uh, shave this mullet. Gotta shave this mullet, and then I'm on. Wait, 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 wait. Which one? Which band did Hot Blooded? That's a good oh, question. Uh, big Audio Dynamite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Journey. Ooh, I mean, who else, you guys? Come on, who else? Oh okay. yeah, Frank. Yeah. Oh yeah, Franklin. Can you hear y'all? We can hear you. Throwing muses were were all oh. amazing. Yeah, but throwing muses aren't. I mean, they were a good band, but they weren't like Morrissey. I'm thinking of just in terms of stature. If there was, like, I would put, I guess I put Pavement, they're sort of like indie rock royalty, where you're like, yeah. they, have a, they have a persona ahead of them before you even step into yeah. the room. And sometimes that can be overwhelming in terms of, like, is it going to live up to that? I think that, um, I think you'll find that uh, the people who are at, at, you know, at the top like that, who, can basically be isolated when they want to, like Nick Jones or Morrissey. It's very easy for them to be gracious, but you know, I think that like the band that maybe is a tier above you had to scrap to get there, and so maybe you know they wouldn't have had the best uh, 
relations, you know, with, because I, I, you know, I remember who, what was that band that we, we kept fighting with on, there, there's like, in the 90s, there was this thing where like, any band could, could be Nirvana and be huge, so you're going to go out during the summer, and you're going to play, in addition to your touring, you're going to go play every, like, festival that every radio station all over America is going to have, and you're going to play for free. And we kept playing with, what was that band from Chicago? Material Issue. For some reason, oh, yeah. we, told, we hated these guys. I don't know why. I don't know why. But but we we played in Chicago and, and uh, at this club called The Empty Bottle, which is awesome. And the people mm-hmm. in Chicago are so, so great, but they're also like really... Bitsy with other Chicago bands, they hate they hate Chicago bands like the dish the dirt that they would dish on Smashing Pumpkins, and just like an urge overkill, they hated them. You know, they're they're their own, right? So they told us about you know how lame Material Issue were, and we like had two concerts with them, and they became our nemesis. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't even I couldn't even tell you what a, what what the name of their album was. Do you remember these guys? They had one single. They definitely had a song that was Diane, 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 Diane. Diane. Valerie loves me. me was the big single that they had, but they were weird because they almost had like a Britpop kind of feel. He definitely had a British accent. Yeah, he had a British accent. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, sort of like how Billy Joe Armstrong. Yeah, well, that that was our. That was our. You know, for some reason we we conflicted with them, but I don't know. I think we had you know. Yeah, we have yeah, music people. All right. Wait, what about Frank Frank Black? What did you guys think of Frank Black? He's a guy who's got a persona that is ahead of him, you know. Right? He he was he was by the time we played with him, he was so over the fans. I remember we played in some place in Boston or Vermont maybe, and this fat boy we came up and like, "Man, I just wanted to say." And he's like, "Yeah, we'll keep saying it, keep walking." We're like, "Wow." But he was a super yeah, was, cool guy to us. Yeah, he was. He was. Cool. I I think he probably dealt with a lot of that Pixies uh, admiration no or, or obsession that probably weared on him a little bit because he could never really get out from underneath that with he his solo oh, totally, career. Totally, totally, totally. You know, totally. At the shows, people would be asking for Pixie songs at the shows, and so he'd be in kind of a bad mood. I remember. In, I remember in Boston, we had to do a. Uh, we had the bathroom was broken backstage, so we had to use the bathroom in the front. It was a mama can, if I'm not mistaken. And you had to go to the bathroom in the front where everybody else went, and so did Frank. And I remember in the bathroom, Frank being there, and some kid patted him on the back. Hey, Black Francis, man! And he grabbed that dude by the neck and was like, "Don't ever fucking touch me while I'm peeing." <laughs> <laughs> Which is legit. While he still peed with it, while he while he peed with his left hand, and I was like, "Nice." That kid loves you, man. That kid loves you. Don't kill him. Um, <laughs> hey, he gave him a story. He was not... All right. I'm going to have to cut out uh, in like 10 minutes. That's okay. We're getting... you, you, you have a gig tonight, Tim? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, getting... I'm, seeing, I'm seeing Bjork. Bjork? Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. Bjork is way too I don't really like love. I didn't think you guys were dating anymore. Well, <laughs> we're going to try again. I still have a lot of her stuff. <laughs> um, I, have, I have a lot of Matthew's Vaseline, too. i got to get rid of this shit. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, Actually, um, yeah, I'm getting a stink back from my wife, so let's you know let's do ten more minutes. Let's do ten more minutes. Let's wrap this up because uh, we're at a good we're at a good yeah, point I, here. One of the questions I'm I wanted to ask right was: uh, Are there any opportunities for uh, reissues? I know some of this stuff is a little hard to get. Um, are there talks of possibly? I, I guess what's the situation in terms of ownership? You know, Spin Art's gone now. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, Spin Art, I, they 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 went bankrupt, and I went and yep. I talked to 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 Jeff, the head of Spin Art, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you got the masters; they're yours. You can have them." And I I I they're all in the basement of my uh, my house. So if anybody wants to put out the stuff. Yeah, let's. That's you know, so somebody was going to do it, and then they got all freaked out. They're like, "Oh, these ninety bands want nineties bands want tons of money," and I'm like, "How much is a falafel, really?" I mean, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> I would just, I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't buy the goddamn scan. <laughs> yeah, there was no question. We own all the masters apart from Nobody's Cool. Actually, Sony still owns mm-hmm. that. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, no, because you know I mentioned that Edsel re-released uh, Detroit Folly and and one of the other albums last year. And right. I feel like you guys would be, you know, uh, in terms of in terms of my knowledge, a, a band that I was way more familiar with than Edsel going into that. And you guys would be a, a, a really uh, an appropriate band, even on this it was Comedy Minus One, I believe, was the the label that put them out, and they were they've been doing a lot of cool reissues and even some newer um, releases. I think they put out a new uh, Carl Hendricks Trio um, oh, wow. album last year. Oh, wow! So, no um, maybe you want to ring up uh, I mean, Comedy Minus any, One does people. Does anybody buy records besides besides Jim? Does anybody? I actually buy just did. I just bought the. I don't know if you guys remember the band Hum. And their album, you'd prefer an astronaut. Yeah, sure, sure. They oh, that yeah. just got reissued on vinyl, and they and I bought one. It was the it's the first vinyl that I've purchased since um, Billy Joel's uh, probably uh, the Stranger. So, and that wow. that goes back to like 1983 when I was a seven year old. So <laughs> I thought you could say, and that was and that was two weeks ago. No, <laughs> we still have we still have like the, we we'll, we should get your address and send you a copy of Nobody's Cool because we have a whole bunch of Nobody's Cool vinyls that we went to we went thrift shopping, bought like a whole bunch of like twenty Rob bought a whole bunch of twenty five cent records and we like screen printed our information over it and put our records inside. So that's um, an awesome idea. <laughs> we will send you we will send you a copy of that. Awesome. I, I would well, care. Well, I'm, like, you, you I'm going to give you my address right now in the middle of the show. And uh, um, you can, uh, yeah, you can just, if anybody, anybody who's listening who wants it can, can just write in and, you know, send you a, I mean, I, I, I love the idea of people listening to it. I mean, it's like, you know, there, there, there was, there was definitely like a time when we could have made money and it's like, but the money that you make is so small compared to what you have later. You know, and and it's it's nice that the records are what we wanted to be, rather than having somebody come in. I mean, they we're not successful, but it's nice that it is what it is, and it's like that. Like, what the hell are we thinking with the ban- the banjo and the, the nine minute guitar solo? But you know, it that's what it sounded like at the time, and there was nobody to come in and say that's a bad idea because it was a bad idea. But but you know, it exists, and you know, and like. 
$10,000 that I spent in 1994 wouldn't have mattered now, but I still have that record. Well, and, exactly. and successful is, is relative because it's it's successful in the sense that you got to make the records that you wanted to make without like a label coming in and saying, we don't hear a single, we need you to write another song, or we need you to All cut that. this down. Oh. And, you know, so you got that and that sort of um, success on a, on a personal level, I would say. And um, yeah. And when this podcast comes out, I'm sure that people are going to want to revisit the albums as they often do when we talk about stuff. So we'll see. Where, 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 where can they find it? I mean, is it basically on the, used is where you're going to have to be able to go to get it? or Because I can't find it anywhere digitally, right? It's not available for it? I've looked on Spotify. That's what I usually use for most of the bands that we've looked at. Um, do, you, do, you, do you know what? I, I have to tell you guys this. I'm sorry. I don't mean to distract this conversation. Um, uh, but, you know, after, okay, after like 20, 20 some years of being like a bass player and not like having the band around, it's really lame and lonely to play the bass by yourself when your family goes to sleep. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Don't try to want to hear it. So anyway, I started, I, 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 for the past year, I've been playing guitar and I'm learning all these guitar parts and suddenly I'm like, Oh my God! I'm good enough to play a lotion song now, and you know, and I go on to like you know, guitar tab mania, and of course, but I finally found a lotion tab. Somebody tabbed Rock Chick, but it's, I think it's wrong. Oh, oh they're always. I wrong. was really bummed. I've, I the thing is that the the guitar part to switch I wrote, but we don't know what it is. It's like in yeah. some weird tuning, and I was like a some you, you know I'm not, I mean, not like a bass player, and I don't know what it is. I don't know how to play it. So seriously, if anybody knows how to tab or like pick out <laughs> what the chords are to switch, I'd really appreciate it. Very, I'd love to play that. Very again. important. So very it important. looks like everything is available on iTunes, so that's that's good. I'm not sure if you guys are going to get paid for any if anybody buys it, but <laughs> it's yeah. up there. That might be right. still paying oh, off the ten thousand. I gotta, I gotta go. It's ten all right. Me too. Tim, thank love, you so much. I love you all, guys. Thank you fun. so much for for joining us. And um, oh, uh, you, you, it was an excellent interview. Awesome. Yeah, you you made me forget at times that I'm talking to like tape, and then you're gonna <laughs> you know broadcast this, and I'm like, oh, I said some jackass things, didn't I? Oh well. <laughs> you always do that. It's all good, man. We uh, we will edit out the uh, the. The, the jackass parts of it as, as much as we can, <laughs> except for the entertaining ones. This week, guys. <laughs> Tur- turns out Bill wasn't there. Yeah, I guess. Uh, anyway, all right. So yeah, thanks a lot, and, and, and thanks to Jay. Jay. Thank you so much again, and sure. um, yeah. All right. we'll bye, guys. Back. All right, take care. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. Bye. All right, Jay. That wraps it up for us with uh with lotion so that's it that's our that's our long rambling discussion but very entertaining and uh we apologize to rob who uh we lost during the the blackout during the middle of the episode but uh who joined us for the beginning um and we thank uh austin hall for suggesting this album and this was a this was cool to revisit this record and everybody should check this out and uh if you want to get a copy on vinyl i guess email one of the guys from the band and they'll be happy to send you a a vinyl copy. I, I know I'm going to be uh, getting my vinyl version to add to my collection of two records right now. So, yeah, I think the 
And the cool thing is, is that you know, they're a band that it sounds like, you know, they sort of get it. It's like um, they got the opportunity to do this. They made a bunch of music that they are proud of, that they wanted to make. You know, there's mistakes in there. There's things they regret, uh, which is cool to hear. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, the point is, is that it lives on, you know. So mm-hmm. fortunately, it is available on iTunes, it looks like, and some other places. And, you know, people can go out, can go out and discover it and it sort of never dies, which is kind of a cool idea. Yeah. And 10 years from now, somebody like us will be reviewing it again. <laughs> Hopefully. Hey, I found this band called Lotion. I, no, it'll be, I found this podcast called Dig Me Out, and they reviewed yeah. this band called Lotion. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's right. Very meta. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Uh, if you want to suggest a band, hit up our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com and, and request a, an album for us to review. And, of course, leave us some positive feedback at iTunes where you can find all the Lotion albums for your uh, listening enjoyment. Thanks to... All the guys, Tony, Jim, Bill, Rob, that was Lotion. We are Dig Me Out, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Later. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. Hey,